Welcome to Corizant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Michael Noring. Michael Noring is the CEO of GCSIT. As the CEO, Michael plays an integral role in building the GCSIT brand and reimagining the future of IT partners to help bring smarter, more innovative, affordable technology solutions to consumers faster. His areas of expertise at GCSIT include building agile infrastructure, the cloud, DevOps, enterprise applications, development, and more. Michael is a senior business executive and entrepreneur with a proven track record as a leader, innovator, strategic thinker, change agent, and market visionary. With more than 20 years of experience in the industry, he has extensive experience creating technology partners focused on the cloud, DevOps, SaaS, applications, consulting, and the managed service market. He has a background in defining company and products and services, vision and strategy, customer engagement and alignment, operational controls, product management and development, new product definition and market launch, realignment of existing product, company turnaround sales and business development. Well, good afternoon, Michael. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome, Michael. I appreciate you connecting and jumping on today to talk a little bit about a little bit about your background, a little bit about technology and, and how we can help those people that listen into this show. So, Michael, we're going to jump right into the questions here. You've got quite the career in technology as a leader, innovator, strategic thinker, change agent, market visionary, and now you're the CEO of GCSIT. Could you share with our audience the secret to your career growth and what inspires you? Sure, I'd be be happy to. Um, I mean, I think the secret to my career growth has always been, I've been incredibly fortunate to be around um, incredibly brilliant minds. Um, All the way from early in my career, um, you know, I was always kind of in awe of sitting in the same room with some of these individuals. Um, And, you know, this, um, you know, my secret's been pretty basic. Soak it in, learn everything you can from these individuals. Um, it'll serve you really, really well long-term. So, um, you know, I, I always viewed it as in, you know, the more I've sought out individuals that are highly intelligent um, and in many respects, much smarter than I am, um, it has always uh, helped me in many, many different ways. Um, in terms of kind of what inspires me, there's probably, um, you know, probably three things I can think of. I mean, obviously being around really smart people is something that just absolutely motivates, inspires me and what wants me to, you know, do a lot better. Uh, the other one is obviously technology. I mean, I, uh, I grew up, um, you know, I remember my first uh, time exposed to technology back in the day was this Texas Instrument TI-99 computer. And uh, at a very early age, um, you know, I just started programming on it and I just never looked back. I mean, I, I, uh, I get very excited about technology, get excited talking about it. Um, and obviously, as my career's, um, you know, kind of gone on, you know, I found that um, there's just so much more to learn and just not enough time in general. Um, and then I think like probably the last thing that really inspires me, I'm, I'm, uh, I discovered early in my career that I'm, I'm something I call a builder as opposed to an operator, um, which means I really thrive in building things. Um, I really thrive in solving really, really difficult problems and challenges. And I can, I um would probably say the harder the problem you throw at me, the more I just kind of seem to thrive in it. Um, so, I mean, those are probably the th- three things I can think of, um, you know, that really kind of inspires me and has been kind of the key to my success. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I love going back in time. And I think we've all done it at, 
every part of her career, at least most of the guests on the show have gone back to a, a, a technology that got them inspired. And, and mine was a Commodore 64. So that, I was, uh, <laughs> that was my second computer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, good stuff for sure. So, so Michael, let's talk about a um, couple things. This, this, this sure. question here is kind of twofold, but uh, GCSIT seems to be a phenomenal position to assist organizations in developing an overall hybrid cloudity strategy to ensure complete alignment with their business objectives, their technology choices, you know, change management, operational pack, et cetera. But maybe you can explain uh, your DevOps down approach and there maybe share also an example of a client of yours that you've done this with. Sure. So, um, you know, DevOps down really refers to, you know, as an organization, uh, we really want to solve it as close to kind of the, the application and developer side of the house. I mean, we, we focus on the infrastructural components uh, as opposed to kind of the app development. And uh, one of the things that uh, kind of sets us apart is we, we kind of recognize that the, the new way of thinking of infrastructure, you have to really make sure that you get away from the kind of static traditional approaches and really get into kind of a dynamic world. And in, in many cases, uh, you're really building towards future agility in the infrastructure, something we call uh, agile infrastructure. Um, and really what that just means is you need to make sure that your infrastructure can keep up with the required pace of your innovation as an organization. Um, and obviously organizations today are a lot more challenged, um, you know, in trying to deliver more value to their customers, right, in order to stay competitive. Now, the, the DevOps down really refers to that the only way to really solve that problem is you, you can't start from kind of a bottoms up approach. You can't put in and think about, you know, network and servers and then build your way up from there. You actually have to think about it very holistically. Um, you know, it's it's uh, and you have to think about it in terms of, of uh, what the applications and the developers are doing. Right. And so the approach is really about a holistic approach to really defining your your infrastructure as opposed to separating it into kind of individual components. Um, and it ultimately means for organizations that, um, you know, when they try to innovate, they don't get stuck or the infrastructure doesn't slow them down. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of examples kind of come to mind. And, and rather than focus on one, I think it'd probably be easier to explain it in, in, in terms of the types of issues that we run into um, and how we solve them. So, for example, I see many cases where somebody says, you know, hey, we're just going to migrate to the cloud because we're going to save some money and it's going to mean that we're innovative. And then they take a very traditional data center centric approach to building out a static data center that completely ignores um, all the flexibility and scalability and reliability that you can build into an infrastructure of that nature. Um, whereas if you really focus in, and back the whole thing up and say, hey, hold on a second, let's look at, at your, what are you really trying to achieve as an organization? What are the desired business outcomes? What are the things that, as an organization, you're trying to do to deliver more value to your customers. Um, and how do I think of a, a really a larger conceptual architecture that's almost independent of, of, of uh, the actual technology components? Um, how do I really approach it in such a way that I can think holistically about it and build something that is a lot more agile in nature? Um, and that's really kind of where the DevOps side comes in. Um, and so in many cases, we're having to back organizations off and say, I know you want to jump in with that, but let's stop for a second 
And let's start thinking kind of about a kind of a strategic uh, approach to, let's say, a cloud migration, for example. Um, and in those cases, it's starting with what is really your vision and what you're trying to do uh, overall from, from a technology point of view, and how does that translate into an infrastructure vision? And how does that now translate into the strategy and how you're going to go about achieving this, knowing that it's not one project, but knowing that every subsequent project you do hereafter, you have to think about agility in the infrastructure, or eventually you kind of paint yourself in a corner um, and what we've seen happen for many organizations is um, if they don't really think that way, they might be successful in the first couple of projects, but eventually the infrastructure folks start talking about like, hey, we can't keep up with what you guys are trying to do. And then you lose resiliencies, maybe you have some security issues, uh, some scaling issues, et cetera. Um, another common thing we, we run into is organizations that are trying to innovate pretty fast. Um, so, for example, there was, um, you know, we, we run into it all the time in the banking industry where they're trying to build out mobile applications and, you know, they're going through a digital transformation from that perspective, but they're ultimately ignoring the infrastructure. And we have to kind of back them up and say, you know, it's great you're putting this mobile, um, you know, uh, mobile applications in the hands of all your customers, but um, they're going to now access applications running on internal data centers that were not built to scale for that kind of usage, and it's going to fall flat on its face. Um, and so in many cases, we have to back them up and kind of educate them on the infrastructure component and then lay down the strategy again. Uh, so th there's just a couple of examples that comes to mind, but really what it comes down to is our approach is about taking really a holistic view to the infrastructure and how to build agility into it. And the only way to do it is you have to start all the way from the from uh, the DevOps, meaning the interaction with the development and application side of the house, and then think of the infrastructure from there. Great. I appreciate you sharing that approach because, you know, a lot of times the customer is focused on one, uh, you know, product or one task or trying to get a a solution in there and you do need to look at these things holistically uh, you know it's not just something you can just flip a light switch and all of a sudden everything works beautifully in the cloud uh, exactly. been there been there and done it, that mm -hmm. and i also think one of the things that we we see unfortunately happen for a lot of organizations right is their infrastructure is planned around a specific project they're doing and you know as you keep layering the projects over top you know it you know, eventually they, they run out of room, right? And and then the flexibility is gone. And the reality is you have to build the infrastructure to what I call the unknown, that project that's going to come down where all of a sudden the company has to pivot to stay competitive. And they don't know what it is yet, but the infrastructure has to be able to support it, right? Absolutely. I appreciate that. Thank you, Michael. So, Michael, this is a big one here as well around tech is, are you leveraging any new or emerging tech in your tech stack? Um, if not, Maybe it's just an innovative solution that you find helpful and maybe you can share sure. with us today. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, the, our organization is always looking at what's the latest innovative solutions. Um, and obviously, so we have very close eye on some very kind of bleeding edge technology, specifically around, you know, edge computing, 5G. Uh, we look at pretty heavily at, um, you know, IoT and the impact of AI is going to have on that whole equation. But that's kind of the more the lab side of the house. Um, the reality is for our organizations that we work with that are just they're trying to use technology to create more value to their customers. Um, and in many cases, you know, they're dealing with uh, kind of COVID recently. So we have to 
we have to work with what I call kind of the practical or pragmatic innovation, right? So the things where we know we have very specific challenges we're trying to solve and what are the technologies that are available that we know is going to be able to support them long-term. Um, so, I mean, as boring as it may sound, um, you know, something around, you know, how do under COVID situations are we dealing with a remote workforce and people working from home and staying productive? And, you know, there's everything from how do we extend, um, you know, the internal applications out. And um, one of the things that recently, and it's just something that comes to mind, but recently, you know, we talk about um, things like traditional solutions around VDI, which doesn't sound as exciting, but all of a sudden it's becoming to the forefront um, of kind of re allowing remote work. The second thing that's really interesting is when you're working from home and, you know, I don't know if you kids, but I have a I have a 16 year old who loves to to jump in uh, right after school and start playing computer games uh, while I'm sitting there on Zoom calls. And obviously that can start consuming a lot of bandwidth all of a sudden. Um, and so there's uh, there's solutions out there now that are really kind of focusing. A good, good thing comes to mind is kind of the the, the SD-WAN of how it can actually prioritize um what kind of a bandwidth required and who needs it. And it sounds, you know, it's, it's not as new as and exciting as a lot of other technologies, but from a practical perspective, um, it all of a sudden means that you have somebody working remotely in a much more secure fashion um, and they can do so in a very reliable way that, you know, doesn't take a performance hit. Um, I've actually found that to be, you know, as much as, as we talk about emerging technology, I think it's a, it's really an emerging solution for, uh, being able to work remotely. That's awesome. I appreciate some of the things that you're doing in your set of uh, services or your toolbox. And that's, again, just a, a way to stay ahead of the curve and be able to provide solutions for your clients in the future. So, Michael, last question. Could you share something from your career experience that would be helpful for those looking to grow their career in either leadership or entrepreneurship? Oh man, that's a that's a little bit of a tough one because it's it's hard to point at you know any single thing. Um, I think probably um, you know the one thing that I always focused on uh, specifically uh, in the early stages of my career, um, I never really worried about promotions. I never really worried about um, you know how much money I made. I worried about one thing and one thing only, and that was learning. Um, everything I came across, whether it was my job or not, I spent time learning it. I spent time listening to people, um, did a lot of reading, um, and, you know, really found really solid mentors to, to kind of help me along the way. And, and ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, when you get the experience and you get the learnings, um, that just kind of accumulates, um, and just at the end of the day, it's really what propelled me in the latter parts of my career. Um, and, you know, if we look at, at um, you know, today's world, I mean, people don't spend a lot of time uh, necessarily in a single organization. Um, you know, they move around a lot. Um, and I think sometimes that the biggest part of learning and really enhancing your career is kind of living with mistakes that you make, right, versus moving on. And sometimes decisions and mistakes you make don't show up for another two years, right? Um, those are the types of things that I think really kind of changes fundamentally your understanding of how to solve problems. Um, I think the other one that really comes to mind is always, and specifically when you start becoming a, you know, a manager and get a little further along, um, 
always look for hiring people that are a lot smarter than you. I mean, um, one of the things I always viewed is, you know, as soon as you, you know, you think you're the smartest guy in the room, there's either, uh, you know, you either proven to be the dumbest or it's really time to leave the room. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, you know, I, I, it's amazing how much you learn, how much your career enhances by really being around smart people, hiring smart people, um, and really kind of learning from them. And then the biggest thing is unleashing their potential. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many organizations I've been in where the number one job I have is, is not sit there and uh, be the smartest guy in the room, but instead just unleash the incredible potential that's already there. Um, and I mean, I, I view that as probably, you know, the reasons I'm sitting where I'm at today. Uh, it's learning from people. It's hiring really smart people and just really unleashing everything uh, that they're capable of. That's awesome. I appreciate that share on that, Michael. And you're absolutely right. And I think Steve Jobs even, you know, coined something to that effect of, you know, if you hire the smart people, let them do what they were hired to do and get out of their way. So yeah, exactly. Um, love that. Well, Michael, it was a pleasure having you on today. And I look forward to speaking with you real soon. Likewise, I definitely appreciate it. Bye for now. Bye.